So let's let's start with the easy part. Could could you introduce yourself to us, please? Well, yes, I'm uh, Ronald. Uh, I'm a Dutch police officer. As you could say, an old school police officer. Ronald has been on the force for 40 years, but he doesn't look like a hard-bitten cop. He looks like your favorite Dutch uncle, the one who passed you an extra dessert or gave you a sip of his drink during the holidays. And he's had all the jobs you'd expect someone like him to have. I started as a regular street cop. I've been a motorcycle police officer, community police officer, homicide detective, burglary detective, riot squad. It was like he was every CSI show rolled into one guy. What do we do now? What we always do, Jim. Follow the evidence. Uh, I'm always the guy uh, also on the streets, the first at the scene, and I want to be there where the action is. He wants to be there where the action is. Which, in this digital age, is how we ended up investigating cyber crimes. I thought, what do I want to do for the next 10, 15 years? Cyber is the new frontier. Which is a little odd, because Ronald would be the first to tell you he's not much of a techie. Shall I uh, turn off my uh, camera as well, then? Yes, if, so you don't have to stare at yourself. That's... Uh, I always pity my wife. <laughs> she has to stare at me. Then he endearingly struggles to find the camera icon. Oops, over here. Uh, camera, camera, yes. And we're talking to Ronald because of this decision he made back in 2014. He was in his late 50s and was trying to figure out how he'd kind of finish out his career. I was thinking, okay, I'm getting uh, a bit older and I'm an old dog and an old dog you can teach only one trick. And this last professional trick, he decided, would be to join an elite new division inside the police department, something called the National High-Tech Crimes Unit, which, you can tell by the name, was a unit that was going to be filled with computer nerds, not people like Ronald. But he had a hunch that they would need his skills too. My pitch was, I'm a street copper. I can be the connection between traditional police and the new cyber cops. They would write the code, and he would write the reports and give them what they needed to get permission to launch operations. It's very important, the paperwork, because without the paperwork, no conviction. If it's not on paper, it doesn't exist. These are the things that I have learned as a traditional police officer. And the head of the National High Tech Crimes Unit agreed, and Ronald landed the job. So, uh, an old dog getting one more trick. Yes. And that one more trick put him in the middle of an epic cyber operation. One that, to this day, people are still talking about. I'm Dina Templerest, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. We tell true stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. And today, a chat with the team of Dutch police detectives who secretly hijacked one of Europe's most popular dark web markets, something called Hansa. It's a story of a traditional beat cop and a bunch of computer nerds with an elite crime unit, and the decision to take down an illicit online marketplace in a way no one had ever done before. I think at the end of this investigation, we did manage to change the game on the dark web. Stay with us.
If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Hi, I'm Ben Mankiewicz. On this season of The Plot Thickens, we're exploring the world of renegade movie director John Ford. Ford was a living legend, a cinematic giant, and also a notorious egomaniac who could unload on actors. You'll hear from the best of them, John Wayne, Jimmy Stewart, even Ricardo Montalban. Find out how Ford's legacy survives his personal demons. The Plot Thickens, Decoding John Ford, hosted by me, Ben Mankiewicz. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. There's a familiar pattern to the way police dismantle illicit marketplaces in the dark web. The kind of whack-a-mole deal. It's whack-a-mole, the two-player game where you got to whack the most moles. These dark web markets sell just about anything you can think of. Drugs, guns, counterfeit papers. And these days, law enforcement follows the money, or at least the cryptocurrency, to find the people who are behind them. They find a transaction trace it back to an account, try to figure out who owns it, and maybe even arrest a few marketplace administrators along the way. And then they take over the servers and tear down the site. The normal response would be like, uh, if, we, if we can get to the server, then we can take it down and we can investigate it. This is Michael, and he works with Ronald on the high-tech crimes unit. We agreed to only use their first names to protect their identities. And the problem with that in, in, in that you get a, like a, a, we call it a waterbed effect, where if we take it down, it will just pop up somewhere else. Back in the fall of 2016, the Hansa dark web market was the second largest dark market in the world. The people who ran Hansa had really good, almost professional working relationships with some 3,500 dealers. They helped them load pictures of their drugs on the site. They held escrow payments to ensure deals went through. They even had a kind of IT help desk to help give them a better user experience. It almost seemed to say, you have lots of dark web marketplaces to choose from. We want you here at Hansa. And Ronald and the high-tech crimes team began to watch and study Hansa. Eventually, it turned into a bit of an obsession for them. And Hansa became our child. It became our, our baby. And that happened because the team got a tip. The kind of tip cyber cops know don't come around very often. A cybersecurity company called Bitdefender reached out to the Dutch police and said they thought they'd discovered something interesting. It looked like they had located a server for the Hansa marketplace. Yeah, that was definitely a surprise. Servers for darknet sites are hard to find. But Bitdefender had not only located the Hansa servers, but... The servers were in a, in a data center in the Netherlands. So the computer Hansa was using to run the market was right in the high-tech crime unit's own backyard. Yeah, and without their tip, I, I guess uh, the investigation wouldn't have had this flying start. Servers are high-powered computers built to store, process, and manage network data. Think of them as the engines that power an organization. For businesses or dark web markets, they help them scale and host data-heavy websites. 
that can handle the kind of processing-intensive workloads a traditional computer just can't. But this Hansa server that was discovered in the Netherlands, once the high-tech crime team got a warrant and started pawing through its contents, they felt almost giddy. Yes, I was in the investigational team uh, when the Hansa case came in. This is Ronald again. And before that, I I knew that there were darknet markets, and I've heard of Alphabay before. Alphabay was the world's biggest illicit marketplace at the time. But uh, Hansa market uh, was new to me. But it became pretty clear early on that the discovery of this Hansa server offered them a chance to do something far more creative and hopefully more effective than the usual dark market takedown. Someone came up with the idea, let's do something different. Something different than whack-a-mole. Hackers seem to love alluding to offbeat cultural touchstones. Sandworm, the cyber warfare unit of the GRU, Russia's military intelligence, got its name by embedding references from Frank Herbert's Dune series right into their code. They take names from movies or television shows, so perhaps it wasn't totally surprising when the high-tech team found chat messages in the Hansa server from two administrators. One just used the initials HL, and the other was Ron Swanson. I've been developing the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness for years. Nick Offerman plays the Ron Swanson character on a television show called Parks and Rec. It's a perfectly calibrated recipe for maximum personal achievement. Categories include capitalism, God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor, crying. He's supposed to be a kind of lovable libertarian. And apparently, one of Hansa's administrators, a guy who was helping run one of the biggest dark web markets in the world, was a fan. If any of you need anything at all, too bad. Deal with your problems yourselves like adults. And the irony is this. Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer, and apparently his Hansa namesake wasn't either. He and HL thought all their identifying data in the Hansa server had been encrypted, but it hadn't been. The high-tech crimes team found on the seized server the usernames and passwords of the site's buyers and sellers, and there were more than 17,000 private messages. And buried in those thousands of chats the real names and addresses of none other than H.L. and Ron Swanson. What usually happens in this moment is that whack-a-mole game. Shut down the server, and Hansa disappears. But these cops had a crazy idea. They weren't just going to take down a dark market. They were going to, first, quietly arrest the admins so they couldn't alert anyone that Hansa had been compromised. And then, the Dutch crew was going to run Hansa themselves. Everybody was a bit stoked about it. Is it possible? And let's check with the prosecutors if it's possible. So we did. And they said, okay, come up with an idea. Uh, write something down. What is what is the idea? Let's see if it's legal, legally possible. And it, and, and it was. What would I compare it to that you had done before? It's going deep undercover. Go back to the movies. Uh, Donny Bresco uh, type of thing. Uh, so this was... This was- for you, sort of a cyber version of Donnie Bresco? Yes. For all of us, it was kind of a Donnie Bresco thing. Yes. You think I'm a fucking rat? If you're a rat, then I'm the biggest fucking mutt in the history of the mafia. 
When we come back, a crime unit has a little cyber fun and lays some traps for Hansa's clientele. At the moment we pushed the button, the website didn't work. Like, like time stood still for a moment. Stay with us. Politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. If Ronald was an old dog learning a new trick, back in 2016, during the Hansa operation, Michael was a new dog learning his first one. This was one of the first cases I worked on, actually. He was an intern on the team. But he wasn't just filing reports and watching the other guys work. He was a bit of a computer nerd. So he was right in the thick of it with the rest of the team, actually running the Hansa market. Is, is running a dark market hard? Yeah, yeah, actually, uh, it is quite hard. It's hard work. Um, there are a lot of uh, disputes. Lots of time, users, uh, buyers and vendors do not agree upon their uh, deal. And then as a market, you have to decide who's right. So a lot of time goes into that. And was it weird solving disputes between drug dealers and drug users? No, it was just part of our job um, where we uh, looked at how they previously solved those disputes. So we tried to really hide the fact that we as, as the police were behind the market. So we tried to do everything the same way the admins would do it. So we looked at historical tickets and, and how they would answer certain uh, uh, tickets or how they would solve disputes. Then there was the job of just keeping the website running. Not just so no one would suspect that the police were behind it, but they wanted to keep it up as long as possible because, of course, the longer it was up, the more they'd learn. But maintaining the cyber charade wasn't exactly easy. You need to maintain the website and uh, uh, fix it as soon as something is broken. So, yeah, a lot of aspects involved in uh, running the darknet market. And did that surprise you, that it was that complicated? Yeah, yeah, it's sort of did. Uh, somehow you, you think like if the website is running and everything is, is up, then it's easy money making maybe. But actually there was more work involved in keeping the market up than, than I expected up, up front. What's funny is that before the Hansa operation, Michael wasn't sure that the high-tech crimes unit was the place for him. He'd learned tactical skills at the police academy and had worked for a few years in tech. And he saw all that come together at HTCU. It's really fascinating to see how technical people uh, come up with ideas and how technical people immediately see the added value, how we can catch criminals with, with those ideas. People on the day shift would walk in with coffee in the morning with crazy ideas on what they should do next. Or sometimes the night shift guys would suggest things that occurred to them overnight. They were dreaming up... Booby traps. Booby traps. Booby traps. Booby traps. Booby traps. I think one of the, my favorites was the fact that we uh, deleted all the um, images of all the listings on the website. Dealers had posted pictures of their wares, you know, pills, cocaine, bags of weed. So we deleted all the, the pictures, all the images from all the listings. So the dealers would have to reload their pictures back onto the site. 
Uh, but we needed to have an excuse why we did that. A good, plausible story that wouldn't raise suspicion. And we said like, hey, we had a crash of a hard drive. Uh, all the images have been deleted, are, are gone. And then, in a little stroke of genius, the team said they didn't have the backups for operational security reasons. Any self-respecting dark web market wouldn't have those backups, they said. At first, we were not sure whether anyone would believe that. But actually, everyone immediately understood, yeah, of course, you don't have any backups. That's totally understandable. So that was quite funny to see that it gave us more trust than we had. So were you just sitting in the office watching people upload photographs with all the metadata attached? Yeah, yeah. So and, and, and in the metadata, in the active data, there were... Like metadata, GPS like GPS coordinates. Longitude, latitude, and we, we would actually see like in which backyard of someone that the picture would have been taken. So now they didn't just have the names and passwords of some of the big dealers. They actually knew where they lived. The team dropped code into the marketplace that made it look like passwords were being encrypted, when in fact they weren't. They intercepted packages so the drug deals couldn't go through. And under Dutch law, the police couldn't actually sell drugs on the dark web. So the team tracked each transaction, adding information, like the buyer's name and address, to a growing database. And then they forwarded all that to Europol. Every day, the database was uploaded to Europol, and Europol passed it on into the rest of the world. And then would they try and intercept the packages, or they could do whatever they wanted to do? Yeah, to intercept the packages or to start an investigation. A lot of knock and talks were performed. Knock and talks. That's when police show up at your door and make clear they know you're buying drugs, so knock it off. And while all this was going on behind the scenes, the high-tech crimes unit made sure the Hansa marketplace was running like a fine Swiss watch, which for Sonder, an intelligence analyst on the team, made for lots of anxious moments. He said they were coming to the office every day expecting to be discovered, for the operation to be over. It was quite scary because we didn't want to do anything stupid that could raise the alarm bells for some of the customers. But no one seemed to notice. In fact, they started to feel a sort of strange pride in how well they were running it. We definitely felt that we were running the market better than they were, but I think I'm not really objective here. When the team moved all the data over to servers they controlled, they fixed a lot of bugs along the way. And pretty quickly, they were fielding the day-to-day -day questions with ease. Like somebody who wants to become a vendor or somebody who wants to stop becoming a vendor and wants his vendor bond returned. So these are easy questions which we could easily answer based on historical tickets. But especially the moments when we had to improvise were quite exciting. And soon they were coming home each day with customer service success stories. I can remember one particular customer who was blind. He couldn't see and he was using a screen reader. So he wants to buy drugs. But his screen reader doesn't read the title, so he doesn't know if it's like heroin or cocaine. Uh, and we managed to give a solution for him, and he was really glad with us. They suggested he maximize his screen. The minimized screen didn't provide the screen reader he needed. And he was really saying, like, Hansa, you're the greatest. And all this success emboldened them to try bigger and better things. One really difficult challenge was to obtain IP addresses of vendors. So we had to find a way somehow to lure these vendors out of Tor. Tor, or the Onion Router. 
It's an encrypted browser that masks identifying details, which is why most people on the dark web use it, including most of the people who use Hansa. So they devised a way to get users off of Tor. They decided to leverage the way Hansa handled payments. The marketplace acted as a kind of middleman to make sure no one got cheated. So they stored bitcoins in a kind of escrow account. But that came with some risk. If the site was ever taken down, whatever someone had sitting in escrow would be lost. So the crimes unit created a special file in Microsoft Excel. And it told its vendors that it could help them in case the worst happened. Hey, download this file, they wrote. It has instructions and codes on how to get your money if the site ever goes dark. But it wasn't just a spreadsheet. Because it's a Microsoft Excel document, uh, it gives you more opportunities to hide a beacon inside. And by doing so, we could see the IP address of the computer that downloaded this pixel. Each download handed the police the IP address of a drug dealer. It was genius. After three weeks of running Hansa around the clock, the office where they were working got a little ripe. If you entered um, the hallway, you could already smell, let's say, the war room where we were working from. And it was a combination of energy drink, candy and sweat. The project had become a labor of love. So we had long hours, we worked in weekends, we, you know, it was in the middle of the summer, so it's quite hot. Yeah, we, we became, uh, as a team, we became Hansa, it became our, our baby, but it had to stop somewhere. They had permission from a judge to run the site for about four weeks, and they never thought they'd be able to fool everyone that long, but they did. A week before they were going to end the operation, the unit had one last play. They were going to confiscate as much Bitcoin as possible. The escrow system used by vendors and buyers essentially worked like a lockbox at a bank, where both the bank and the customer have their own key. In the site's last days, Saunders said the detectives tweaked the system to prevent the buyers and sellers from cashing out. And at the end, we were the ones with two keys, so we were able to cash out ourselves. It was approximately 1,200 bitcoins, which was, at that time, about 2.6 million euros. On June 20th, 2017, a banner appeared across Hansa's homepage. This hidden site has been seized and controlled since June 20th. Visitors who clicked on a link would be taken to a list of every user who had had their information compromised. And below it, it read, We trace people who are active on dark markets and offer illicit goods or services. Are you one of them? Then you have our attention. Being the game changer is uh, sort of in the DNA of the people who work over here. And I, my biggest goal is to facilitate it uh, that the people can... That's Matthias van Amsford. Today he heads the unit. As he describes it, the team is a perfect marriage of the old and new. There are old school cops, people like Ronald, who have the experience and know-how to launch a watertight investigation. And then there are the whiz kids, like Michael, who's now a team lead, who know how to explore the shadowy corners of the dark web. I, I think the most important thing is that people, uh, we don't have to tell them how they, they have to do their work. So actually we can set the goals for the team and they figure out by themselves what, how they get to the point where we want them to be. And you'd be forgiven for thinking hard-boiled cops and computer nerds would butt heads. But Saunders said they don't. They complement each other. 
I think our strength is in the combination of these two personalities because um, the nerds are really eager to learn from the traditional police guys and traditional police officers are really looking up to the nerds as well because they see all the, the digital magic they can perform. The combination of characters that makes it a very unique team, I guess, where there's mutual respect and we all try to achieve the same goal. It's like to solve the case. All told, the detectives oversaw 27,000 transactions. They seized 1,200 bitcoins and had collected at least 10,000 home addresses. And while the numbers were impressive, Saunders says the Hansa operation did some psychic damage too. It shook people's confidence that they could hide their identities in the dark web. After the Hansa takedown, many of the vendors were so scared that they were compromised, that their identity was leaked, that they started a completely new identity on the remaining markets. As for Ronald, he proved that an old dog can learn a lot more than just one new trick. And I'm learning new stuff here every day. Everything is possible in, in the cyber world. Uh, that is the challenge in the cyber world. Everything can be hacked and everything can be secured. Looking back on the takeover, I asked Ronald, did he have a favorite booby trap? One that brought back fond memories? Was there one that made you smile? Uh, he thought for a moment. <laughs> they all made me smile. <laughs> <laughs> this is Click Here. Here are some of the top cyber and intelligence stories of the past week. You probably had to update your Apple products this week. That was to address two zero-day vulnerabilities that researchers at the Citizen Lab found. They were used to deliver NSO Group's Pegasus spyware to at least one victim. Citizen Lab said that all users of Apple devices should update their operating systems immediately to fix the problem. Apple, for its part, said one bug allowed devices, including iPhones, iPads, Macs, and Apple Watches, to become vulnerable to attack when processing a maliciously crafted image. The other vulnerability created security issues if a device had sent a maliciously crafted attachment. That bug arose in the company's wallet function. Apple declined to comment more on the bugs. Authorities in Sri Lanka confirmed that the government's email network was hit by a ransomware attack that wiped months of data from thousands of email accounts, including ones belonging to top government officials. The attack, which started at the end of August, affected nearly 5,000 email addresses using the government.lk email domain. And the victims included Sri Lanka's Council of Ministers, which forms the central government of the country. The targeted system, Lanka Government Cloud, LGC, was encrypted along with the backups of the system. Although officials were able to restore it within about 12 hours of the attack, they didn't have backups from May 17th to August 26th, so all affected accounts lost data from that period. The country's computer emergency response team has started an investigation into the incident and is working to recover lost data. And finally, our sister publication, The Record.media, does a monthly ransomware tracker. And it found that ransomware gangs are ramping up their attacks on schools just as kids are coming back into the classroom. At least 27 schools and districts were hit with ransomware in August, compared to 19 the previous month, according to data collected by Recorded Future from extortion sites, government agencies, news reports, hacking forums, and 
other sources. More than 400 schools were impacted by the attacks because some incidents, like the attacks targeting Prince George's County Public Schools in Maryland and Edmonds School District in Washington, involved dozens of schools that enroll tens of thousands of students. Ransomware gangs view schools as especially vulnerable targets as they prepare to open their doors after long summer breaks. Many victims had to cancel classes or delay their start date. I'm Dina Templerest. I'm the executive producer and host of the show. Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director. Will Jarvis is our producer, and Lucas Riley and Jade Abdul-Malik are our staff writers. Our editing team is led by Karen Duffin and Lou Olkowski. Darren Ancrum does our fact-checking, and our theme and original music compositions are by Ben Levingston. We also use music from Blue Dot Sessions. If you want to learn more about the Hansa investigation and just how much cryptocurrency tracking is changing the game, take a look at Wired senior writer Andy Greenberg's book, Tracers in the Dark. It's a deep dive into how authorities have found new ways to hunt cybercriminals. And as always, we'd love to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts, or send us an email at clickhere at recordedfuture.com. Check out our website with details about our shows and our whole show catalog at clickhereshow.com. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and we'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to therecord.media.